Good morning, Valley Ranch Baptist Church. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming to worship here today in person. Thank you so much for coming to worship online. This is a long weekend, and I'm grateful that you're here. So, and I'll be honest with you from the beginning. I think we should, right, as Christians, tell the truth all the time. I have mixed feelings about being here today. On one hand, I'm so pumped to be able to share a message with you. And in fact, during this transition time, John told me that I'm going to be preaching way more than I'm used to. It's going to be, I think, uh, two times. <laughs> and on the other hand, I'm kind of, it's a little bit frightening because this is the first weekend after you know who. Sounds like I'm talking about Voldemort, right? <laughs> you know, but just to give you some peace of mind, um, I talked to you-know-who, and in case you have theological questions about my message for today, we created a direct line, so you can call him at 800-101-LAIR. <laughs> and sorry, I, I ran out of characters here, the telephone companies, they have strict policies on this. But you can call 800-101-LAIR, and he'll be happy to visit with you, okay? So let's get to our business before I get fired. <laughs> We're going to read today uh, the scripture that we find in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, that says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, a lot of you know my passion for movies. I think I mentioned that many times before. And, you know, in this industry, there are a lot of people that are important for this filmmaking process. You know, you have, for instance, the actors, the actresses, the casting, visual effects, but you also have a lot of very important people there, which, for example, you have the director. But there is one person that is almost always forgotten, and this person, it has a critical role in this filmmaking process, which is the producer. So here's the definition that I found of the producer role. Producers are at the financial, practical, and creative heart of a film or TV drama. They're often the first to get involved, spotting the creative opportunity and commercial viability of a production, and they continue as the drive, driving force right through the distribution. They are the overall decision makers. The producers are the overall decision makers. So usually, we don't know who they are, we don't know their names, but they are always there. And without them, the movie doesn't happen. So we're going to play a game here, and I need your help. I need your participation. I'm going to mention some 
uh, famous movies here, and you're going to help me to find out who are the producers of these movies. Okay? So, first one is Jurassic Park. You know this movie, right? So, the, 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 the producer of this movie is... That's wrong. Steven Spielberg is the director. The producers are Kathleen Kennedy and Gerald Molin. And you see he's happy, he, you don't know his name. <laughs> Look at his face. Next movie, Star Wars. You know this movie, right? So the producer of this movie is... No, I didn't get you, right? <laughs> You're right, it's not George Lucas. The producer is actually Gary Kurtz. And you might think that at Valley Ranch Baptist Church, John Hewlett is the one running things around here, right? <laughs> and he's not. The producer is, in fact, Jim Moffat. <laughs> Let's give it up for him. I promise I have a point here, okay? I promise you. Now, come with me here. It's intriguing that I think, I believe, 85% of the time, we talk about the person of God, we talk about the person of the Jesus Christ, which is great, there is nothing wrong with that, but we often, or we speak too, spend too uh, little time, not much time, speaking about a third person of the Trinity. That is really important. As Christians, we tend to relegate to a second level, to a second category, a third person of the Trinity that is equally important, the Holy Spirit. But what is the Holy Spirit? Who is this mystical figure that we don't spend much time talking about and we are not sure exactly what he does? Is he important to you? Is he important to me? That's exactly what we are going to explore in today and in this series, in this weeks to come, uh, as we investigate and learn together about the constant feasting of the life in the Spirit, which, by the way, is not just about the fruits of the Spirit, but in fact, is about how to live a life where the Holy Spirit is constant present and at work all the time. All right? So come with me here. In case you are not a believer, I will ask you to bear with me, to be patient, because I think this is going to be interesting to you, it's going to be important for you, and somehow this is going to make impact in your life. So in order to do this exploration, of course, we are going to examine the scripture that we just read, but we are not going to be necessarily tied just to this scripture. We are also going to travel to the Gospel of John. Would that be all right? Let's do it. So, here's the background for today's scripture. Jesus is, crest, is uh, crucified. He's dead, dead for three days. And then he resurrects. And then Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, he, uh, he's the one that investigated in details. He knew everything about the events of the life of Jesus. He says that after the resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days talking to people, proving that he was alive, laughing and having meals. And he spent the whole time with people. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people saw him after the resurrection. So right before he's taken to heaven, he's having this interesting conversation with them. And then he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
And then Jesus repeats, he quotes something that John the Baptist, which, by the way, was his cousin. He was a little bit socially awkward. He used to wear these funny clothes. He said something three years earlier that Jesus is quoting now. And he says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So in my version of the story, the disciples, they were looking to each other and were like, I don't know what he's talking about, me neither. And they tried to change subjects. You know, Lord, that's great, that's uh, awesome, but when exactly are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, when are you going to destroy the Roman Empire and give the power back to our hands? Obviously, Jesus saw that coming, and he was like, guys, you are, oh my gosh, you're thinking about the... Here's what is important to you. So, and then he says in verse 8, but you will receive the power. Think about this, okay? When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, put yourself into the disciples' perspective. Put, put yourself in their shoes. They were confused. This, this was a little cloudy for them. And they were asking, but who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And as mystical as it sounds, and uh, we must agree that mankind throughout the centuries has been placing the Holy Spirit in a place uh, surrounded by mystery. And some of you might have a translation of your Bible that refers to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. That's right. But he's not that mystical. So the Holy Spirit has been misunderstood throughout the ages and taken as a force or as a feeling. Some would say that the Holy Spirit is like karma. And some would say that the Holy Spirit comes and goes as goosebumps. And some would dare to mistake the Holy Spirit with the midichlorians from Star Wars. You saw the Bible movie? You see it? You saw that, right? Guys, the Holy Spirit is nothing like that. He's way better, way much better, because the Holy Spirit is a person, right? The Holy Spirit is a person. But what does it mean to be a person? It means, as a person, that you have an identity. It means, as a person, that you have relationships. And as a person, the Holy Spirit must be treated accordingly. Every time in a scripture that the Holy Spirit is referred to, he displays personal characteristics in his actions. And personal pronouns are used to describe him. For example, in the Gospel of John, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as another comforter, counselor, advocate, helper, guide, just a person can perform those actions. In Greek, when Jesus says another, he uses the Greek word alos, which means another of the same kind, instead of heteros, that means another of a different kind. So when he uses alos, he says it signifies another one who is of the same nature as Jesus Christ himself. When he says another comforter, he's saying it's another one that is exactly like me. Now, you'd never imagine to see a Brazilian speaking about grammar and pronouns and this kind of thing, right? 
It's a great day to remember. Anyways, the Holy Spirit is part of what we call Trinity. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One in three, three in one. And believe me, friends, this is hard to understand for me as it is for you, as many things in Scripture. And in fact, Scripture says that the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. There are some things we are not meant to understand. But you know what? That's fine, because what we need to leave this life was revealed to us. And we have someone that will help us to navigate the waters of this life. And we'll get there. So here's my way to explain Trinity. And I'm not expecting to answer all the questions, but here we go. Three different people with three different personalities. But at the same time, they are unified by the one and true God. Jesus, God, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are, they are one God. At the same time, there are three different people with three different roles. They are distinct, but not separate. So you have God the Father, the Creator. You have Jesus Christ the Son that saved us at the expense of His own death. And you have the Holy Spirit that lives in us and He unites us. And He is God's presence daily in our lives. He is the one sustaining us and helping us to get through the hardships of this life. You might remember the representation of the Trinity during Jesus' baptism. You had God the Father speaking out loud for all to hear. You had Jesus Christ the Son being baptized in the Jordan River. And you also had the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And I love when Priscilla Shire, she mentions the Holy Spirit. She says that the Holy Spirit is the third one, not because he's the least important, but he's the third one because he was the last one to be revealed to us as we see in the New Testament. But he is as the same as God and has the same attributes. He is almighty, he is holy, he is love, he is omnipresent, and he is a person, and being a person, he is personal. And he's someone with whom we can have a personal relationship with. Someone, listen, the Holy Spirit is someone to whom we can and should pray and worship. Now, in spite of the fact that he's a person, he's also a present. So we see in the first verse of the main scripture we have for today, Jesus referring uh, to the Holy Spirit as a present, as a gift to be given to us. He says, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And the most distracted disciple would say, we heard him speak about it? He must, he must be one of those riddles he used to tell us, right? But in fact, when Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit, he was straight, he was direct. He didn't use any riddles. Travel with me back to the Gospel of John when Jesus, he is predicting his death, but he is also encouraging the disciples to endure because that was not the end. And they, or we, would never be alone. He says, and I will ask my Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then he's teaching them and he's 
probably his last great opportunity to talk and to teach the disciples. And he's saying a lot of things. And I think at some point he realized that disciples were overwhelmed with a lot of information. And they, the only thing they could think of is Jesus dying. They were overwhelmed by that. And Jesus feels this need to come back and reassure them. And he says, hey, hey, calm down. Calm down because unless I go away, the advocate, the other one that is like me, will not come to you. But if I go, be in peace. I will send him to you. If I go, I'll send him to you. Jesus came to this world to perform the most amazing act of love ever performed since creation. He died in my place. He died in your place. And he resurrected after three days. And when he went back to the Father, he promised that we would never be alone. And that promise became a reality when he gave us the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. But back to our text for today. When he mentions the present about to be given, he continues saying, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here's the good news. If at some point of your life you accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, if you recognize that Jesus and his sacrifice is the only thing that can make up for your sins, you immediately received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's a gift that's free. There is nothing that you've done to deserve it. It was given to you and to me by God's grace. Here's what is important. First, you make a rational decision to follow Jesus. And then you demonstrate it to everyone through the baptism in the water. And here at uh, Valerie Baptist Church, we always uh, assure and make sure that the candidates to baptism, they know that there is nothing special, nothing magical about the water. It's just water coming out of the sink. But that's a symbol that makes public the most significant decision of your life. Once you make this decision, then the supernatural happens and God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit that you make, will make your heart burn for him. That will make your heart burn for him. One scholar says, first the enlightened mind, then the burning heart. First a revival of theological insights, then the revival we need. That's the spirit of God living in you and with you. And he will never abandon you. Amen? Amen. If you're not a Christian yet, and maybe you are not sure about the next steps regarding your spiritual life, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to accept, to make the decision to receive Jesus in your life. I would like for you to think about that now for a moment, to recognize your need for him, and you will also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The moment is here and now. Jesus is knocking at the door, and he's just waiting for you to open your heart, and the Holy Spirit will come and live in you and be with you forever. Peter, one of the closest disciples to Jesus, says in the same book of Acts, repent and be baptized Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, 
We've learned that the Holy Spirit is a person, and being a person, he wants to have a relationship with us, and that he is a gift given to those who have Jesus in their lives. But what does he do exactly? What is his role? Well, we see in scripture that Jesus and Peter and Paul, they and many others refer to the Holy Spirit in scripture in many different ways. They mention several roles of the Holy Spirit. He is, he advocates, he comforts, he unites, he exercises judgment, he fills us with joy, he convicts us about our sins. And you, we will explore many of these roles in the weeks to come in the series, but the one that I would like to focus today is that the Holy Spirit also gives power. So right before Jesus is taken back to heaven, he says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. The earth. The Holy Spirit has many tasks assigned to him by God, but one very important task is to fill us with his power so we can share with others the miracle of the cross. So we can share with others the love of our God, our Father, and help others to understand and to see the need for them, what they are missing. Friends, the work of Jesus must be shared. What he has done for us must be shared. And if we were not taken from this earth, if we are going to be here for a while, it's in order to accomplish this task, this very important task of letting others know about him. However, we cannot accomplish this task if it's not by the power that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. We cannot share if it's not empowered with courage and boldness and confidence to say, this is what he has done for me. This is what he has done for me. Now, why do you think Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem? Do you think it's because it was a cool place to be and to hang out with your friends? It was because it was more comfortable, you know, close to their homes and, you know, they knew the surroundings. They, he told them to wait in Jerusalem because they needed to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit first. Because without the power given by the Holy Spirit, there, is, there was nothing that they could do. You remember, they just saw the resurrection. They saw all those great things happening, all the miracles. And they were still trying to think, oh, what about the, the kingdom to Israel? What about the power? They were thinking and focusing on the wrong things. The fullness of the Spirit is essential for Christian life in ministry. In other words, the Christian mission and ministry can only be done in the power of the Spirit. The Christian mission and ministry can only be done in the power of the of the Spirit. You might not feel prepared to testify, to share, to witness, but you can pray and ask God and the Holy Spirit to fill you with His power and equip you to step up and move forward. It doesn't matter if you are a church member, if you are a guest, I know when you look around, you see the need. When you are not distracted, you can see and discern 
where the need for Jesus resides. If that's her case, you can ask the Holy Spirit to give you what's necessary to fill this gap. It might be something at your school. It might be something at your work environment. It might be your neighbor. You know, sometimes you won't need to use words, but the Holy Spirit will empower you to serve that person. Maybe your behavior is loud enough to help others to see that you are not a regular person, that there is a higher power that makes you act differently from the others. There is a higher power that gives you wisdom when others lack, that there is a higher power that even in a mid the most challenging circumstances of your life, and I know several of you are going through this right now, that even amid those challenging circumstances, you still have peace and you still have joy. And this will make people think, what is that? What exactly does make them feel and look different? One day, somebody was bold enough, of course, empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the good news and to share what Jesus has done for me. That Jesus came to save me from my sins and to give me new life. I was in high school riding a bus to do something, planning to do something I really shouldn't. And God saved me from what was about to happen. And what I heard about Jesus hit me so strongly that it shook my structure to the point that I realized I didn't see any other alternative other than to recognize that's exactly what I need. That, that was what I was looking for. That's the hope I needed. You know, I, I don't want to think about it. I, I, I want to follow him not Tomorrow, not next week, not someday. I want to follow him now. And at that very moment, at that very second when I recognized that, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and he came to live in my heart. When something like this happens, friends, it's impossible to keep it for yourself. It's impossible. You want to share with your friends, you want to share with your parents, you want to share with everyone. Jesus said, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Listen, this is important. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Guys, you have been spending time with Jesus. You come to worship. You are part of a grow group. You pray. You read the Bible. You know him. Now, you must testify about him. We are here to tell others about him. Not by ourselves. Not with our own strength. But empowered by the Holy Spirit. That gives us what we lack. In order to make it happen. And I want you to know. That God uses the person of the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And he does that in many different ways. And boy, here is God's voice. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. It's a lifelong journey. It doesn't happen like this. It requires a lot of intentionality. It requires a lot of time spending 
with him. But he will speak to you through the word of God, opening your mind to understand what God wants for you and from you. He will use people to tell you his will for you. He will place you in situations that you will feel compelled to act, to do something about it. He will give you insights that will make you wonder, where is it coming from? Have you ever had a name popping up in your mind and even you spend the whole day thinking about that person? Then at some point, you decide to call or to text that person. And then the response that you get is, thank you so much for calling me. Thank you for texting me. That was exactly what I needed for today. I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, with Dr. Richard Black AB. He was sharing about the work of his father that was the, the, the writer of the book called Experiencing God that you probably know. And today, he disciples executives and CEOs of the major big companies around the world. And he was sharing this experience he had with one of these executives that accepted a job offer and he was feeling miserable in that place. And he actually was complaining that he didn't listen to the Holy Spirit's voice and he actually prayed that God would close that door if it was not a good thing for him. Well, that's not biblical because God doesn't close all the bad doors we have in our lives, right? So... Um, he ended up accepting the job and he found himself in this terrible position months later. And then Dr. Richard Blackaby, that is a firm believer that the Holy Spirit speaks, he started to ask these questions to help him to process that situation. He asked, hey, have you, uh, during this process, have you shared it with someone? Have you talked to someone about it? Yes, in fact, I talked to my wife and she was against from the beginning, but you know, she's never been in this position. She didn't know better. He said, all right, but do you have a group of friends or, you know, a group of people, a church or something that you could share the situation with? He said, yeah, I had this men's Bible study. And when I shared with them, there were a lot of red flags from the beginning. But, you know, they'd never been in my position. They didn't know better. And then he said, all right, uh, what about something unexpected? Something out of the blue happened to you? Yeah, you know, thinking now, my, one day, out of the blue, my 16-year-old son came to me and said, Dad, I don't think you should take this job. But he's just 16-year-old. What does she know? he know? And then Dr. Blackaby spent just a few seconds thinking and said, Friend, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, and you just rejected every single messenger that he sent to you. And the other day I heard this statement that I love that says, very often I find that the Holy Spirit's voice sounds a lot like my wife's voice, (laughs) which is perfectly true in my case. Friends, the Holy Spirit is a person, and he speaks to us, and he compels us to do the task that Jesus assigned to us, which is to be his witness, share about him, in our neighborhood, in South Dallas, in the Rio Grande Valley, wherever you go. Through the way we act, through the way we serve others, and sometimes using words, we'll tell others about Jesus and his love for us. Now, 
I have homework for you. But don't be worried, it's super simple. You can use the notes that you have for today, or you can use your cell phone, whatever you want to use. But here are two things I want you to write down. Okay, you're following me? You're with me? Okay, two things. First, you're gonna search your thoughts and think of a time when you heard the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Okay? Search your thoughts and think of a time when you heard the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Second, think of somebody who the Holy Spirit has been compelling you to serve, to pray for, or to share about Jesus. And write that name down. You're going to write those things down and find a time this week to discuss it with your family at the dining table or with a friend of yours. Here's the thing, if nothing comes to mind, that's all right, that's okay. You can pray to the Holy Spirit and you can ask him to speak to you, show, show you what's the task he assigned specifically to you. Who is the person you will impact with your life, empowered by the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for the gift you are in our lives. We are so grateful for the way that you empower us to move on and to keep sharing the task that you have for us. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to save us. And thank you, God, for sending the Holy Spirit to be with us. We know we are not alone. And we have you sustaining us with your hands. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for this gift and this blessing. Be with this church during this next season. Be with this church, giving the wisdom that we need. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that we will never forget to come to you with our prayers, with our petitions. Help us to see your plans for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.